Well, good evening. May have you all stand as we begin this evening. If there's somebody that you have not greeted yet, if there's somebody that you have not met, I encourage you to go across the room, wherever they might be, and greet them and let, introduce yourself. And, and we'll, get here, we'll get started here. have difficulty in a darkened room. I'm not really sure you're out. Oh, thank you. The light is dawning. There's a new day dawning. Thank you. Now I can see. You're really there. Wonderful. That's great. I've been doing some thinking, and uh, it's been either six or seven weeks since we last gathered in chapel. Uh, you're past the midpoint of the first trimester. Think of that. Last week was reading and research week, right? At least, at least that's what the administrators and faculty call it. We do understand that students call it rest and relaxation week. R&R, &R, it's all, you know, it's good. Uh, I was with a, a student yesterday, I don't see him here, and I'm not going to mention his name anyway, so I won't embarrass him, but I, I was with a student yesterday for lunch, and in, during lunch he acknowledged to me that because of R&R &R week, he had just completely forgotten to do his homework. He said, yesterday morning he woke up and said, oh my, I've got homework to do. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands to see how many of you are in that category. When we last met in chapel, I was able to be here for the first two nights. I, I heard uh, Dr. Graves and that wonderful uh, message on being called, and then the next night, Dr. Like. And uh, then I had to be out of town, and so I was not able to come on Wednesday night and Thursday night. But uh, the, the messages and our theme for this year the call of Jesus Christ. Follow me. And that was a whole seven weeks ago. If I were to give a title to my message tonight, my title would be, What Happens When the Call Fades? Seven weeks ago, it was the beginning of a, of a new trimester. Many of you were brand new to Nazarene Bible College. The the, uh, the adrenaline was pumping, the desire was here, the call of God was bright on your heart and on your life, and everything was on the, 
on the move forward you were beginning to fulfill and accomplish the call that God had placed on your life. But my goodness, that was seven weeks ago. Uh, where, is, where, where are you in terms of that call in your heart and in your life tonight? Have, have you experienced at any point in time during the past few weeks I mean, seven weeks ago, you had hardly begun to un understand what was in the syllabus. Now that you have firmly digested it and you know exactly what is in it, and now you only have what? How many weeks left? Yeah, oh, if you don't have that exegetical well on the way to completion, I suggest that you should have used last week for research and reading. It happens to all of us. In fact, I want tonight to take you to uh, the book of John, the 21st chapter. A and I want to read uh, a story from that gospel that comes close to the time that Jesus was here on earth. I'm only going to read the first four verses of the 21st chapter, but would you stand with me, please, while I read from God's Word? <clears throat> Did I say Matthew? I'm sorry, it's John. Did I say John? I'm glad it's John. Whatever. Let's go to John chapter 21. <sighs> Boy. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, called Didymus, Nathanael from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. You may be seated. <clears throat> there are some Bible scholars that tell us that the last few verses in the Gospel of Matthew give us a prelude of why Peter and the other apostles, the other disciples, were there by the shores of the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee. And in the 28th chapter of Matthew, we read in the 16th verse, this, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So if you put the two stories together, there are many Bible scholars that believe that after the appearances to the disciples on the resurrection day in the evening and then the week following that, that there were other appearances, but then... Jesus told them to go to the Sea of Galilee and wait for him there. And that's where we pick up in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. They're there waiting by the seashore, waiting for Jesus to arrive. We don't know how long they were there. Not sure how long Jesus tarried. But as they waited for them, undoubtedly, their minds were racing. 
I can imagine Peter looking back over the events that had transpired immediately prior to the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. Remember that story? There, there are two sets of two words that haunt many, many people. One set of words is, what if? The other set is, if only. I can imagine that in that time period while they were waiting for Jesus to appear, that as Peter replayed in his mind the Last Supper, and he undoubtedly, undoubtedly replayed in his mind the fact that Jesus had announced to the group that there would be one who would betray him, and Peter had said, I will not betray you no matter what. And then he had to remember just a few short hours later. Little girl stuck his, her finger in his face and said, you're one of them. And he said, I am not. And another said, you are one of them. Your speech betrays you. And he said, I am not. And he denied Jesus Christ three times. What a failure. I can imagine that as he is waiting there for Jesus to appear to them again by the Sea of Galilee, he is saying, what if I had not? What if I had not betrayed my Jesus? What else might have happened? I'm sure that he also replayed in his mind that night in the garden before that event and that occurrence. I can imagine that he replayed the fact that Jesus had called upon him and James and John to go and, and pray with him or pray near him. And what did they do? While Jesus was praying and sweating drops of blood, they fell asleep. can imagine Peter reliving that in great detail. And as he began to replay those events in his mind and began to feed on them, he began to become more and more and more discouraged. You can imagine that he replayed in his mind the coming of the soldiers to arrest Jesus and, and, and him, brave Peter, pulling out the sword. And I can imagine him saying, if only I had cut off his head instead of his ear. What if, if only? And then I can imagine him and the others during that time, however long the waiting period might be. Oh yeah, they had seen him resurrected. But where was he now? I can imagine them talking about, uh, what is this all about? We thought he was going to we thought he was going to usher in the kingdom of God and instead he died. Oh yeah, he arose, but now where is he? They began to get more and more and more discouraged. And that scene back those 3 plus years ago when they had stood by this very sea and Jesus had come when they were working at their boats and mending their nets. And Jesus said to them, 
Come, follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men. And they left their nets, they stood, and they followed him. And they had, in those intervening days and years, grown so close to him. And now, even after the resurrection, it seemed all in vain. The abruptness with which Peter begins verse 3 indicates to me that out of this frustration, this anxiety over waiting, this, this replaying in his mind, the negative events and activities that, that had led them to this place, and I can almost see in my mind's eye Peter jumping up one, more, one evening, and just before the sun sets, he says, Guys, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to the comfortable, the tried, the true. I don't know about this life of following Jesus and being fishers of men. I'm going fishing for fish. And because he was one of the key leaders of the group, they said, we'll go with you. The past few weeks, have there been times when you have been tempted to say, I quit. It's just not worth it. I'm going back to the old life. I'm going back to where it was more comfortable and easier than going to school four nights or three nights or two nights or even one night a week and trying to hold the family together and trying to hold body and mind and spirit and trying to please those professors who don't understand what it's at all like to be a student. Of course, discounting their many, many years of being a student, which continues for all of them until this day. Have you been tempted? What happens when the, when the call begins to fade? And I suggest to you, if the call has not begun to grow dim at some point in your life, it will. Because you see, Satan's, Satan's duty is to try to trip us and trap us into believing that the call of God is not as important as we once thought it was. Gary Haynes, graduate of Nazarene Bible College, lifelong evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene, and now uh, working in, in our student development and admissions endeavors, and he's spending his time these days calling students. He maybe has called you, or he maybe will call you. Why? Just to encourage you. Just to tell you that he knows what it's like and he's been there and if you haven't his, heard his story about shredded wheat, you have to hear it. You ought to just, if you haven't heard it, you just ought to go into his office someday and say, Gary, tell me about shredded wheat. He'll know. But Gary talks frequently about the fact that when he was here, Dr. G.B. Williamson was on faculty Dr. Williamson, the building is named after him. Dr. Williamson was in large measure the 
the founder or at least the, the momentum behind the establishment of this institution. Dr. Williamson was a professor here when Gary was a student. And he impressed upon Gary a phrase that Gary repeats over and over and over again. And that is, the call of God is irrevocable. So here are the apostles out fishing, doing the thing that was natural for them, doing the thing that they were most comfortable doing, and they did it all night long and caught nothing, not a thing. And then scripture records for us that early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was him. I've looked at several, several commentaries and authorities and Bible authors to see why it was that they thought that perhaps, or why it was they thought that Jesus was not recognized by his disciples. In my study and, and looking at it, uh, came up with, with three or four, depending on how you look at it, ideas that I like. They couldn't recognize, according to some, that it was Jesus because they were too far away from him. They were out on the, on the lake. They were, they were too far from the shore. And I suggest to you tonight that sometimes when the call of God begins to fade on your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. It's not anything that you had intentionally done, but you are simply too far away from him to recognize that still small voice that says, hang in there. My call is still valid. I still have my finger on you. I still have my hand on your life, you are still a chosen vessel to me. The second reason that I have come up with is that they were still trying to catch fish. They were, they were preoccupied with the task at hand. And while they could see him a hundred yards away on the shore, they, they didn't recognize who he was because they were too busy at this task. <laughs> oh boy, does that ever get to some of us. You're so good. Do you ever get so busy with the task that you haven't taken time to tarry until he comes and speaks to your heart and blesses you and says to you in the midst of the task of that exegetical paper or that term paper or whatever amount of study you're trying to do or the family life or the job preoccupied to the point that you're busy at the task and he's clear out there. I said there were three or four reasons that I read about and, and the third and fourth are similar but yet strikingly different. It was early morning and and there are some who believe that the disciples couldn't recognize Jesus because it was still so dark that they couldn't see. Sometimes 
In the world in which you and I live, it seems to be so dark that even the light of God cannot penetrate. And the fourth is similar to that, except just the opposite. There are those who are saying, well, it was morning after all. Perhaps they were facing the sun, and as the sun was coming up, it was glaring into their faces and blinding their eyes. Uh, Sharon and I, my wife and I, just recently took about 12 days of vacation. We're away from here for a while. And... Uh, we, we traveled out through the east. Uh, we, we put on way too many miles in way too short a period of time, but we had a good time. We had fun. Uh, we went from here. The farthest point we got away was Portland, Maine. We drove. Uh, and, and there was a road sign that we saw, I believe it was in Massachusetts. We saw several of them that just seemed to me to be sort of a, huh? Because there were these big signs along the interstate as we were heading east that said, morning sun may cause a glare in your eyes. Well, duh. I'm so glad they put that sign up. Even though I was traveling down that road late at night. Have you ever noticed the morning sun causes a glare in your eyes? <laughs> and they got to put signs out to tell people that. But there are those who believe that the disciples couldn't discover Jesus because of the light of the sun that was shining in their eyes, which would indicate in the way I'm looking at it that something was so bright and alluring and so tempting that they couldn't actually see Jesus and were drawn away from him. But then they came to shore because he called out to them, haven't you any fish? And they said no. And he said, throw your net out on the other side. And scripture records that they caught so many that they could hardly get them in the boat. But then when they got to land, they discovered that Jesus already had breakfast prepared, fish on the fire. What do you do when the call fades? You focus on Jesus. Sit down and have breakfast with him, or lunch, or dinner, or coffee, or whatever. And remember the words of the song that I asked J.C. to lead us in tonight, that he's going to come back with the worship team and sing again. You won't relent until you have it all. You will never be happy if you give up on the call that God has placed on your life. So don't ever try to do it. J.C. Let's all stand together again. I remind you that in that passage in Matthew, Jesus appears as they wait before him. 
and then he gives to them that which we know as the Great Commission, go into all the world. But it is not a command without a promise because the very next verse says, as you go, I will be with you always. So rather than a command that is a drudgery and difficult, it is the call of Christ is a joyful invitation to join him. Our Heavenly Father, may we frequently be reminded of your call on our lives and the promise that you will go with us to the very end of the world. Now may you grow, go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the call of his spirit on your lives. Amen.